0: Hey, it's Wednesday, April the 8th. We're studying 2 Peter, and we've finally gotten to chapter 1, verse number 8. As we've worked through those eight things, the first one, of course, is faith, and then all of the things built on top of that. Let's let's start in verse number 5. Take a look at the text again. 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse number 5 says, For this very reason, make every effort. We've been talking about that because all of this relates to sanctification, uh, as we've seen. I mean, there are absolute issues that will be realized in the glorification of our bodies and our eternal state, but for now we're seeing that progressive sharing of the divine nature of God and the freeing ourselves in incremental ways from the corruption that's in the world uh, because of sinful desires, which of course we still battle with. But anyway, we were making every effort to supplement our faith, and then we got the first one, virtue, and then knowledge, and self-control, and steadfastness, and godliness, and brotherly affection, and love. So we had all of those. We took a, a, a session each to deal with those. And now I just want to talk about this verse number eight here. For if these qualities, uh, which I should point out right away, there is isn't no word qualities there. We have to figure out what to call these things. The Greek text simply says, for if these are yours two things here important, and are increasing. So if they're yours and increasing, then they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's start there at the bottom, the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are plenty of people, that get exposed to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ in various ways. Uh, Some sit there in church with us every week. Some are listening to this video right now. They're getting all kinds of information about the Bible, about God, about Christ, about the Holy Spirit, about the reality of our salvation, but they don't share that salvation. And that is the real concern of this passage. Two things here, for if these things, these qualities, these attributes, these virtues are yours, two things, and increasing. So let's just take a moment to think about both of those things. These great qualities that we've been through that are supposed to be progressively increasing in the Christian life, they need to be yours. You need to have them. They need to exist. Literally, they need to be there, which is a question for us as to whether or not we are saved because the connection is always there between the reality of the Christian life, whether or not we're actually a Christian, born again, regenerate, have our names written in the Lamb's book of life, or whether or not we're just exposed to knowledge. Judas was exposed to knowledge. He had a lot of information about Christ. He knew Christ, knew him, personally, think about that, but he did not have salvation because that knowledge was not uh, producing this fruit. So let's take a look at a passage, for instance, in Second Corinthians that helps us to think about how normal it is within the pages of scripture. It needs to be more normal for us as Christians in the modern era, even though we like to uh, respect everyone's opinion about themselves or about what they think regarding their relationship with God. But the Bible's very clear, look at verse number five here, that we ought to always be in the process, at least periodically, taking time to examine ourselves, to see whether you are in the faith. Is this a real thing for you? And of course, in our passage, we started with faith. We built on that with those seven things that we've looked at. Seven, as the ESV translators call it, seven qualities. And you ought to, and, and I know this is uncomfortable for us or ever to ask anyone to do, but the Bible is telling us to do it, to test yourselves. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Christ Jesus is in you? Well, that's, of course, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test. Look at our lives. Look at the fruit in our lives. And so much of what happened in 2 Corinthians was Paul trying to prove the reality, not only of his faith, but his apostleship. And he goes through all these things that show the fruit in his life. The Bible says the fruit or the qualities, we use that word a lot, fruit in the Bible, the natural are, uh, uh, organic, organic uh, byproduct of real Christianity are these kinds of things like the seven things listed that grow out of real biblical faith, and it and it takes effort as the text says, but it's a a God-driven effort. It's an effort that God allows us to produce the fruit of God's Spirit within our lives if we are in Christ, if Christ is in us, specifically in the person of the Spirit of the third person of the Godhead is in us, then we'll see these things being present in our lives. Now back to our text. It says, "If they're yours and increasing, now that's a different thing." Now, of course, are they there? And then, what's happening? Is it are they growing, as the Bible says, real? The good soil of the scriptures, uh, of, of the lives rather, in scripture is that uh, of our lives, the four soils, the good soil produces fruit. It says some 30, 60, and 100 fold. And the idea, of course, is that we should be trying to produce as much fruit as we possibly can, adding every, making every effort to add to our faith and seeing those things increasing. And so as time goes along, and that's a great phrase here, uh, they should be increasing. We should be seeing more and more of it. And as a matter of fact, the more time you've been a Christian, the more you should see this piling up in your life, the things that we've looked at in our passage—virtue, uh, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Uh, look, for instance, at this passage in Hebrews chapter 5 with me. Uh, as the writer of Hebrews is writing to these folks, he's saying—he brought he brings up the uh, issue of Melchizedek here just prior to in this passage. And he says, we have much to say about this, about Melchizedek and his priesthood and how Christ is a fulfillment of that priesthood, which we don't have time to get into right now. He says, it's hard to explain to you, not that he couldn't do it. The writer of Hebrews certainly could, since you have become, and this is an interesting Greek word here, nothros. You've become dull of hearing. You've become literally lazy in your Christian life. There's not a lot of increase in the kinds of fruitfulness that you should have. Though by this time, two words in Greek for time, there's a word in Greek for opportunity, And there's a word in Greek for the time that just clicks away on the clock and on the calendar. Uh, Kairos and chronos. Kairos, the Greek word you can find in Scripture, sometimes translated time, sometimes translated opportunity. And it's not saying, hey, by this opportunity or by the opportunities you've had, this is the word chronos, "by by the time. I mean, you've had enough time. You've had enough days go by, weeks go by, months and years go by that you ought to be teachers. In other words, you ought to master all of this information to where you could be teaching it. Uh, Instead though, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God, the things that God has revealed. Uh, You need, and we use this a lot in our modern uh, language in Christianity, you need milk, not solid food. And what we want is we want solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, unskilled That's an important word. It's not just that they don't know it. It's that they're not putting that all into practice. Since he's a child, he's like a baby Christian. Solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained, these are all good words here, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil not just having it distinguished in their minds, but in their lives. They are skilled in working out the truth of God's word. When they see truth about virtue or knowledge or uh, self-control or uh, steadfastness or godliness or brotherly love or love, these are the kinds of things that they're skilled at putting into practice. That's the fruit of the Christian life and they're increasing in that. They're conquering more levels of of spiritual proficiency and self-discipline, all the things that go with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all the things that deal with the outworking of God's um, presence in our lives. So we need to see these things increasing. They need to be yours, they need to exist, uh, and that's a good question for us to ask. Are we really Christians? Are we really saved or just exposed to knowledge? And then increasing, are you growing? Do you see progressive movement in your Christian life? And if those things are happening, then look at the next phrase here, they will keep you from being ineffective. That's a helpful way to look at it. Ineffective, there's, there are both of these words that we're about to see ineffective and unfruitful as they're translated for us are both just negations of words. The first one is the negation of the word uh, ergos, which is to work. And the next one is uh, karpon, carpon, which is fruit. So uh, you're, you're literally, you're, there's no work and there's no fruit. And that's what fruit is. Fruit is something that seems like the organic, passive byproduct of a relationship with God. John 15, if you you abide in him, you bear fruit. But then we have this other word, ergos, work. You have to work it out. You have to uh, expend every effort. So both of these are very helpful for us, and I think that's why they're both here. But one of them is translated ineffective, and that means you're you're not working at this and unfruitful. You're not producing the byproduct of the Christian life. Those two things I think we need to look at one at a time. They might be helpful for us to see that the Bible is always looking at whether or not there is an outworking of this. Uh, fruit and or first of all, first of all, just the effort that is to be expended in the Christian life that is producing the fruit. Passage I want you to look at in this regard, James chapter one, uh, a very familiar passage. It speaks of the fact that we are to be, and these are all work words, are they not? Doers of the word, James one twenty two, and not hearers only. There's the passivity of knowledge because that's how this passage ends. Right? Supplement your. I'm sorry, Uh, these qualities are yours and increasing. They keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can be exposed to the knowledge and just be a hearer, but what we want is that we want you to be a, a doer. You're working at it. If anyone is a hearer and not a doer of the word, it's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. He looks at himself, he goes away, and at once he forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, which is not just saying we can be passive, it's saying we're freed from the ineffectual uh, kind of of, of passivity that a dead person has. That's the idea, we're dead in our transgressions and sins, but we're freed from that state of being dead to God and dead to all of these works that God has called us to. But perseveres, there's our good word, the idea of pressing forward. Being a hearer, that's the problem with those who look at it and just uh, interact with the knowledge, but they don't put it into practice. A hearer who forgets, that's the problem with this person that looks in the mirror and forgets what he sees, and not a doer who acts. That's what we're looking for, acting, one who's working. Well, he will be blessed in his doing. Just pick all these words here, doing, the idea of a doer, one who does, uh, does and acts, the one who's going to be engaged in doing. The idea of work expended is what God is looking for in our lives, and he produces through that work fruit. That next uh, phrase there keeps you from being not only ineffective, but also unfruitful. Look at this good passage, it's a little more obscure than some of these others that I've quoted, but at the end of Titus, as Paul writes to Titus, this young pastor in Crete, this is Titus chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. He says, When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, he says, for I've decided to winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. So they're gonna speed them on their way, make sure they get where they're going, make sure that they have all the stuff that they should have. So you gotta supply and give and be generous to them. And let our people learn to devote themselves, great concept here, to good works, right? So as to help cases of urgent need, and here's one, you got all these people coming through town that need to be not only put up, but sent on and having all that they need to get on to where they're going and not be, and there's our word, without fruit. So here's the idea. You see the need, you engage in work. This is a great parallel passage here because we have both concepts here and they're not unfruitful. We work so that we're not unfruitful. The picture is of one who is possessing these qualities and increasing in these qualities, and the reason is because God is at work in them, producing that work and producing that fruit. Need to make sure that's true of you. I guess a few questions here. Are you saved? Are you really saved? Are you growing? Right? Are you doing something and expending the effort with the knowledge that you learn when you engage with God's word or with preaching of the word? And are you making sure that you're seeing the knowledge that you encounter produce the product that's intended? The Bible is there giving us direction so that we might see those things put into practice. Someone might hear a message like this, a quick Bible study and say, well, you must be missing the idea of God's grace. I understand all about God's grace. The grace of God is that I cannot in any way earn my favor before God. I can't keep my favor before God. I can't make God love me in any way. But the Bible says that the grace of God, it instructs us to work, to deny ungodliness, to produce the kind of zealous good work that God is looking for among his people. So we make every effort to add to our faith. We've listed all of those things, all eight of those concepts, and then we're making sure that these things, these qualities, these virtues are ours. They're increasing so that we are not not working and we are not not being fruitful, to use the negations there of the text, and that we're always engaging with the knowledge of of God and of Jesus Christ in a way that produces fruit. Hang in there. We're going to get next time to verse number nine tomorrow. We're glad that you've joined us for this study. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Leave us a comment and be sure to subscribe so you won't miss an episode as we continue through the great book of 2 Peter.